Hi there, it's Rachel Zabonek-Chanko here for another episode of the Club Solutions Magazine podcast. Today's guest is Liz Clark, the CEO and president of URSA. We talk about all things political advocacy, including the hard work Liz and her organization are doing to increase the industry's voice in Washington, in addition to the state and local level. I actually learned a lot from this conversation, including policy initiatives I was unaware of, and I think you'll find it extremely engaging. Enjoy. All right, Liz, thank you so much for joining me on the Club Solutions Magazine podcast. It's so nice to finally make your introduction. I know. I can't believe it's taken this long, but it's great to be here and great to meet you. Yeah, likewise. Well, the main topic of our conversation today is political advocacy as it relates to the fitness industry. I know when you first joined URSA, the organization, you know, things were in a little bit of um, an interesting point in time with the pandemic. So could you just kind of give me an overview of your perspective of where things stood and as it relates to the industry's advocacy power and what strides have been made since then? Yeah, you bet. So when I got in the seat a little more than two years ago, we were really at the tail end of pushing for gyms relief. So if, if folks remember, that was to try to get direct funding to gyms and fitness centers that had been impacted by COVID. And just like so many of the other industries that had received relief, the unfortunate thing is that the money had already been doled out to everybody else. So there really wasn't any money left for that. So we were at the very end of that process and then launched the introduction of FIT again. And I know FIT's been around for a while and we can talk about that a little bit later, but that was a little bit of the status when I got in the seat. Yeah. 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 Well, for those who don't know, um, could you provide an overview of the FIT Act and where that stands? Yeah, you bet. So the FIT Act is essentially a piece of legislation that would allow people to use HSA and FSA dollars towards gym memberships. It also would be able to go toward youth sports, so sports camps, things like that. And it's just a really great bipartisan bill. Uh, It's been around for a while, did pass the House in 2018. And so we're currently now shopping that for co-sponsors. And so trying to get every Republican that we get on to get a Democrat on and talking about it in both the House and the Senate. So again, we're pushing it hard. We're looking to see if there's another vehicle where that can land. So that's typically the way legislation works in DC anyway, is that a standalone bill rarely passes. There has to be some other sort of package going on. So we're looking at all that. And with the dysfunction right now going on in the nation's capital, it looks unlikely that there's going to be a vehicle, but it's important to keep beating the drum, keep getting the co-sponsors, because when there is a vehicle, we'll be able to slide in. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, through that process, you all are just increasing the industry's awareness in the minds of policymakers as well, right? Yes. Yes. So, and I mean, if you look at Congress and policymakers, obviously, you know, there's a change in the White House every four years, usually. And then there's also, you know, new members of Congress coming in every two years. And so there are always retirements, but always new people to educate. So even though this might be a piece of legislation that's been around for a while, the legislators that were probably in the seat for that long are probably no longer here. So it's a constant education of, you know, not only the bill and the legislation, but our industry. And, you know, it's part of why we're in Washington and we're kind of arriving on the scenes so that they can recognize the health and fitness as an industry and as a business. And what we provide, of course, then is preventative health care and, we, you know, everything that we do has a great impact on, you know, local communities and the world, frankly. So 
It's A to Z. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. Well, and I know under your leadership, Ursa as a whole has really shifted focus towards being an advocacy centric organization. Can you share some specific examples of that focus in practice? Yeah, you bet. So, I mean, I was hired very deliberately to shift the the organization's mission and in, in focus. And so we have always put on a really great trade show and nothing's going to go away with that. But to pivot away from being a meetings and events-based organization to be an advocacy and communications-based organization. So with that, I've done a handful of things. So first of all, I'm in Washington, D.C. That's a big change that that we've never had organizationally. I've hired a head of government affairs who's also here in Washington, D.C. I've hired a head of communications who's here in Washington, D.C. I've changed some things about our external staffing, some of our legislative firms who are working harder than they ever have for our industry, and other sort of behind-the-scenes nerdy stuff like changed our tracking of legislation or all the stuff behind the scenes. I'm excited. I've got an interview in an hour of hopefully to bring another teammate on board. So we're really building a robust team that's never existed before, you know, able to to monitor everything. And that's on the federal and the state level, I should say. And so Ursa has always done a really good job at the state level of really, I think, monitoring stuff, even having lobbyists in some capitals. So it's one thing to be in Washington, D.C. to book federal stuff, but it's also important to be in Sacramento and Albany and Springfield and the real world and the capitals there because state legislation can can pass in the middle of the night as well. So that's another part of getting some more arms and legs on the team is to help us really monitor and to stay ahead of that. If we had the resources, I would dream of having a lobbyist in every single state. It's just unrealistic at this point. So it's a little bit like whack-a-mole. You gotta, you know, you gotta see where the biggest problem is, go and and hammer it. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Well, looking at just the federal focus, why is it so important to have such a strong presence in Washington? You know, I think part of it is that there are a million people asking for a million things all the time, right? And so if you're an industry, and there's an association in an industry for everything, I mean, everything. And so you're up against all of those other industries and all of those other asks. And if you're not physically in front of legislators continuously, your asks are forgotten or other asks are more important or, you know, they're just more top of mind to these legislators. I mean, you're a legislator, you probably have 10 to 15 staff that are your legislative aides that deal with everything from healthcare to abortion, to guns, to trade policy, uh, finance policy. It's, it's unbelievable the amount of stuff that's on these people's plates and how rapidly it moves. And so if you're not at the table, you're on the menu. So you have to be present and you have to be present continuously. And you have to be present when something is not necessarily on fire. So that's where we're in a position right now as an industry is there's not necessarily a looming crisis. And that's okay for us. We are, you know, building these relationships, helping legislators where we can. And then when there's time to make the powerful ask, uh, we will have had those relationships because we're physically in front of them. Yeah. Yeah. I think I read a, in a quote that you said that the relationship with policymakers is one that has to be nurtured just like any other relationship. Yes, exactly. It's truly, it's like dating. You know, you, you, <laughs> you go on a first date, you explain 
who you are, you explain your background, what you did, how you got here, you know, and then hopefully you get along well. And then you have a second date, you know, maybe by the, I don't know, the third or fourth date, you can, you know, lean in for a kiss. But yeah, I think, you know, it takes a while and it's the same. It's exactly the same. But then you think about when you've got these longer term relationships, that's really strong. And you look at even just three Ursa staff. So myself, Jeff and Mike, who I mentioned, our comms guy and our government affairs guy, between the three of us, we have over 50 years of relationships in this town. And so we've got things that go all the way back to, to those people that have you know been in the seat for 20 years, to building new relationships with the new freshmen that, that come in. We just had coffee with one yesterday. So between even us three, the relationships and the depth, and then you go even farther out that because Washington's a pretty small town of potential coalition partners. So you start to think, oh, well, who is it, you know, that we need to be working with in the insurance space? And who is it that we need to be working with on the technology side? And and maybe not necessarily natural bedfellows on that, but you think about it and you say, oh, actually, we probably could be working together on this. And it's why we do things like partnering right now with the American Heart Association. And and you think about what kind of clout that association has and what kind of audience they have. And so those are the the entities that we're looking at doing. And the, because the three of us have been in this town long enough, we know how to do it, which is making it pretty fun. Yeah. That 50 years of experience and relationships is super powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about the fly-ins that you all have been organizing. For those who don't know, can you just tell us what those are and what the inspiration was behind that idea? Yeah, you bet. So fly-ins are not something obviously unique to Earth or our industry, but what it is, is you fly in to Washington, D.C., and you literally ascend upon the Capitol, and you meet with your legislators. You might go down and meet with the White House. And they're really important because we talk about going back to those relationships and nurturing these relationships. So What we've done is we've had one so far, it was last May, and we have another one coming up in May. I think it's May 7, 8, 9. And and what we're going to do is we're going to invite whoever wants to come to Washington, D.C. to come, and we will set up meetings with your legislators, and we will have all the talking points provided. But the cool thing is that what I say to, to people, like, you're busy running your day job, running your club. You're not up here in Washington doing this every day. We get that. So what we're going to do is we'll put a professional or an expert in a group with you. So you're not going to have to memorize all the talking points for the policy and that your job is to come and to talk about what your business does, how many people you employ and why our industry is so critical. And so, and people can do that in their sleep, right? So that's what we want. We want those stories in Washington. And then those people, again, it's the first date for many of them. Like they're meeting their their legislator, they're meeting their senator, and then it tends to be an annual thing. And then next year when they come back, hopefully that won't be the only interaction that they have with their legislator because their legislators are also back home in the real world. They're home on weekends, they're home on congressional recesses. And that's one of the things I say is if you're opening up a club or doing expansion, Invite your member of Congress, invite your mayor, invite your governor to do a ribbon cutting. They love that stuff. They love the photos, right? So so come to Washington to the fly-in, meet them um, is where it starts. And then you you meet their staff as well. So if then now you've got a problem in the next year, you've got a number to call. And you say, hey, remember when we met, you know, I run this club and here's my problem. So again, it's the first step, but it's a really important one. And it's again, a really important one 
when things are not totally on fire. So, so it's a good opportunity to, to be able to start to create a relationship, um, you know, because these people are putting out fires everywhere. So they kind of, they tend to like the industries, you know, that aren't necessarily coming like, okay, what do they need this time? What do they need this time? So yeah. again, there will be that day, but um, that it starts with the flying. And then we got another one coming up in October. So just next month in conjunction with the technology summit. So yes, that one- and my yeah, teammate will be there. Yes. Yeah, yes. my uh, the editor of Club Solutions, Taylor Brown, will be there covering the fly-in and the summit. That's awesome. And so, you know, one of the things is we worked really closely with Al and Tara to make sure that we could have some Capitol Hill presence. So, so that'll be sort of the first day. And I think the goal was to have 50 CEOs from all 50 states. And I think we're close to that. And again, it'll be the same format where we set up meetings with groups. We'll have uh, an expert in the group and then we'll go up and, you know, make our introductions and, you know, take some pictures and then tell them, Hey, and then we'll be back again in May. Yeah. I think it's really cool how you all are putting that expert in that group too, to kind of decrease that intimidation factor. Cause people I think are really nervous to talk to their legislators. Right. And really, I mean, they shouldn't be. Yeah. Listen, and what I always say is these legislators work for you. You have the power you're the one that elected them, or maybe you didn't, maybe you voted. But point being is, you know, and the legislators themselves, I think are really, they're, they're political people. They're lovely. They're jovial. They, you know, it's actually, ironically, sometimes the staff that can be a little bit more intimidating, but that's also really important because uh, the staff are oftentimes the decision makers. So the staff will field the questions, the information, they'll take everything in, they'll, they'll be really thoughtful, they'll write their notes, and then they'll have a policy recommendation that they make to their boss. And so what I say is even if you are meeting uh, on the Hill and you're meeting with a staffer, it's just as important as if you're meeting with the actual member, but it's all the same. It's the same message. It's, it's you know, what kind of business do you run? How many people you employ? How long you been there? What kind of community service do you do? Do you bring kids in? Do you help old people? All that sort of stuff that we're all doing is a great story to tell. So, but again, then we'll just make sure that somebody's in the room and that we can navigate. I'll tell you, getting around Capitol Hill can be a little crazy. Mm-hmm. There's tunnels everywhere. And I even get lost up there sometimes. And I've been doing it, you know, over 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's cool yeah. though. Yeah. Um, well, beyond the Fit Act and the fly-ins, is there any other legislation or initiatives that the fitness industry should be keeping an eye on? Yeah, I think the most important one in addition to those are the FTC's click to cancel campaign that they announced in the spring. So we're still trying to get more information on that. And it's a little bit like the devil's in the details. And so we're educating. We filed comments to the FTC to say it's not as simple as it sounds. Uh, this would be, you know, what we would think would be a more workable solution. And so we're having those conversations now. I think it's important uh, for folks to keep an eye on that. And quite honestly, to, you know, to be a good steward and to be a good business and not necessarily make it difficult to leave a club. Now, I'm not saying make it as easy as click to cancel, but it's something that we've had a, a bit of a problem as an industry reputationally for a long time is that oh, it's impossible to get out of my gym. Well, you know, we're trying to build back a reputation and trying to build relationships. So what can we be doing thinking a little bit differently about that that's more friendly to the consumer, but also protects the club? Yeah, no, that makes sense. And I didn't even know that that was a, how would I even describe that? (laughs) It's a policy initiative, right? Yeah, there you go. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's out there. And, you know, and that's just one. 
You know, we continue to see challenges on music licensing and more music licensing uh, people coming up. We're now seeing TV licensing and what does that look like? So we're having those conversations. There's definitely no shortage of issues for sure. And, uh, and then liability waivers, that's another one that tends to be happening at the state level. So eliminating the use of liability waivers, which means like, so if you walk into a club and you're on your cell phone and fall on a treadmill, you could sue the club because your liability waiver is no longer any good. So that's a, an initiative, a scary initiative being led by the trial lawyers, kind of going from state to state to state. So we're watching that as well. And then of course, the taxation of, of gyms, and that also tends to happen at the state level. And those are the reasons we need more arms and legs to make sure that we can try to get ahead of these things. Yeah, all great stuff for the industry to know. Yeah. You know, how can the fitness industry or an individual club support political advocacy and, yeah, just make sure that their voice is being heard and represented? So I think that's a great question. There's a few things, right? I think one, think about coming to Washington. The next one's a couple weeks away, but maybe save the date on your calendar for May. I think that it would be a really eye-opening experience for people, especially that have never done this. I even have board members that live in Washington, D.C. who had never done this. They said, oh my God, how have, I, how have I lived here this long and I've never been in these buildings, right? But I think that I would say that that's sort of phase one. I think number two, look into your state alliances and what those state alliances are doing. We're planning on reinvigorating those and helping organize those and making sure that we could really use the state alliances as the army of people out in the real world. Speaking of army, we have Project 435, which is where we are working to have a representation, a club representation, not necessarily a club, but it could also be somebody from the academic, it could be a physician, anybody that's in the space that cares about health and wellness to be the captain for that congressional district. There's 435 congressional districts around the country. And so each one of them have a member of Congress and who can we deploy to go after all that? So Project 435 is really just getting getting started. As far as if you are running a club and you're interested, we actually have a fantastic poster that clubs are putting up around the country that has a QR code that your patrons can scan the QR code and send a letter directly to members of Congress. And we had one club do this, just one club in the Chicago area and sent 3000 letters. So wow. think about if the universe was putting up more of these posters, because everybody wants to be able to use your HSA and FSA dollars toward a gym membership. So let's let's ask your patrons and your customers to, to help us in that effort. So, and then the final thing, and we don't need to talk too much about it, but is, is think about supporting the PAC. And the PAC is political advocacy. And what that is, it's financial. And so it's personal money that we give members of Congress to help them with their campaigns. So you work on these relationships for so long, and then you finally have a great relationship. They're helping you, things are humming. And then they have an election. And so we want to make sure that we can be there to help them with their election. So we're working on growing the pack. And thank you to all of those that have contributed to it. I'm happy to talk more about that. But it is an important element and a real tangible way that people can support. Yeah. No, thanks for that overview. I'm sure after this conversation, people will be, you know, apt to support your initiatives. And I yeah, appreciate just you giving that little piece of advice on how they can do that. So is there anything else on your mind that you want to talk about? I don't think so. Other than just, you know, we're excited for our upcoming show. We're going to all be together in LA in March. And, um, you know, there'll be all kinds of talks of political advocacy and how people can get involved and, 
and how to make it easy. And, you know, people don't need to hear it from me. I think they need to hear it from the people that have participated in the fly-in that have been really moved to change things. And they said, I had no idea this is how it works. And that's been a really rewarding piece to me is to see so many of our members getting fired up and jazzed to do it on their own and leveraging their networks and their communities. It's a tremendous networking community that all of your members have. So don't be afraid to use it. Yeah. Well, Liz, thank you so much for that comprehensive overview of just political advocacy and the state of things. And thanks for all the hard work that you're doing to just represent the fitness industry. It's my pleasure and never hesitate to reach out. We are working for you uh, every day and uh, just appreciate you and appreciate the industry. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, of course. See you next time. Bye. And that wraps up this episode of the Club Solutions Magazine podcast. Thank you for listening. And if there are future topics you'd like me to cover in upcoming episodes, please let me know at rachel at clubsolutionsmagazine.com.